Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Being faithful to the house of God, I appreciate that. Thank, thank you for coming. I know middle of the week, many people's tired. There's a lot going on, but I appreciate y'all being here tonight. Um, Pastor had said that we were going to end tonight, and uh, I started looking at my last lesson, and there's just no way I could cram it all in here tonight unless y'all want to stay for two hours. So we're going to carry it over one more week so I can finish my last lesson, and y'all can still get home at a decent time tonight and get in bed when you want to, or whatever, watch your TV show before you go to bed, whatever it is you want to do before tonight. But uh, we're going to talk tonight about love and respect. And a lot of the material I'm going to cover tonight comes from this book here called Love and, Res- love and Respect, The Love She Most Desires, The Respect He Desperately Needs by Dr. Emerson Egricks. And this is an excellent book. If you like to read, oh man, I highly recommend this. Um, I had actually, through the course of my 40 years, I've read a lot of books. Let me tell you, I've read a lot. And I've read a lot of books about marriage. And I have some of my favorites. Um, if you like to read or if you want to read about marriage, I highly recommend The Five Love Languages, which we've talked about. I highly recommend the book His Needs, Her Needs, How to Affair Proof Your Marriage. Excellent, excellent book. And I've read those before and more than once. And I hadn't read this one up until this year. I actually read this during our media fast. And I read it all in that week. And it is so, so good. There is so much good stuff in here. And, of course, for me, when you come in and you take a book and you have to downsize it and teach it, you just want to tell everybody everything you read but it's because it's so good. But I'm hoping that I can take and glean from what I read in this book and share it with you all tonight and that hopefully you'll get something from it because I did. I mean, I've been in church my whole life. I've been married 20 years. I've counseled married couples. But this was something that was new to me, uh, a viewpoint, a perspective I had never seen before. And it was one of those light bulb moments like, wow, this is so true, and this is so good. So I'm hoping that it'll do for you what it did for me and how awesome that this uh, perspective is. So I'm going to start off and share a story that um, Dr. Emerson Egrick, so I'm just going to call him Dr. Emerson because um, his last name, it'll all end up making it sound wrong. So I'm just going to call him Dr. Emerson um, for the sake of uh, reference tonight. But his wife's name's Sarah, and uh, he, he, he wrote this. He said, I proposed to Sarah when we were both still in college, and she said yes. While still engaged, we got a hint of how husbands and wives can get into arguments over practically nothing. The first Christmas, Sarah made me a jean jacket. I opened the box, held up the jacket, and thanked her. You don't like it, she said. I looked at her with great perplexity and answered, I do too like it. Adamant, she said, no, you don't. You aren't excited. Taken back, I sternly repeated, I do too like it. She just shot back, no, you don't. If you liked it, you would be excited and thanking me a lot. In my family, we say, oh, my, just what I wanted. There's enthusiasm. Christmas is a huge time, and we show it. That was our introduction to how Sarah and myself responded to gifts. Sarah will thank people a dozen times when something touches her deeply. And because I did not profusely thank her, she assumed I was being polite but could hardly wait to drop the jacket at the Salvation Army Collection Center. 
She was sure that I did not value what she had done and did not appreciate her. As for me, I felt judged for failing to be and act in a certain way. I felt as if I were unacceptable. The whole jacket scenario took me by surprise. During the jean jacket episode, though, neither of us clearly discerned it at the time. Sarah was feeling unloved, and I was feeling disrespected. I knew Sarah loved me, but she, on the other hand, had begun wondering if I felt about her as she felt about me. At the same time, when she reacted to my unenthusiastic response to receiving the jacket, I felt as if she didn't really like who I was. While we didn't express this nonetheless, these feelings of being unloved and disrespected had already begun to crop up inside. Now I'd like to give a little demonstration. I've asked Brother and Sister McBroom to help me, so if you can make sure there's another mic on Brother McBroom before you head down, and um, him and his wife are going to come help me out real quick with a little demonstration. So if they would come up. They give a speech. We'll never get through this. Can you make sure that's on, Pastor? Those are for you. Those are for you. Got it? Okay. Can you all share? Okay. All right. We'll start with you. All right. Sister McBroom, I have this statue here that I got in Italy when I was in college and got to go. Can you please describe how you see this to me? I see a rosy pink statue of a lady. Okay. What about you? How would you describe this? It's has like cooling features, like bluish um, structure. You know, the artist put great detail into it. Okay. Is there anything else that you notice about this statue, Sister McBroom? I see her long, flowy dress, the beautiful pink flowers, her curly hair. It's very uh, pretty and feminine. All right. What about you? What What else do you notice? You know, well, I noticed like the the marble, the different like uh, materials they used. Um, you know, the the different stone, and uh, you know, the the bringing the two together was really good. Wow, you all see this quite differently, don't you? I can't believe she didn't see it like I saw it. <laughs> all right. Thank you all so much. Can we give them a hand and thank them? All right, so were they looking at the same object? Yes, they were. Did they describe it in the same way? They did not, did they? They were looking at it through, one looking at it through rose-colored glasses, the other looking at it through blue-tinted glasses, noticing different things, correct? Men and women, as we all know, beyond even biologically, we are created and designed by God to be different. Not one's better than the other or more valued than the other but we are different not just biologically in our physical makeup but biologically emotionally and we as husbands and wives or even people who aren't married can look at a situation a circumstance a problem and we're looking at the exact same event but we would describe it totally different and that happens in our marriage there can be a problem an issue something arises in between the two of us and we're both looking at the same problem the same situation, but we're both going to have completely different viewpoints on what happened, who said what, how it was said, and what the end result is, and what the f solution is. Isn't that true? 
Okay, so let me give you just a couple more examples before we dig into our information tonight that Dr. Emerson shared, okay? A couple was about to celebrate their 10th wedding anniversary, and the wife began to wonder if her husband would remember. There had been plenty of times during the past decade when he had forgotten their anniversary altogether. No matter what she did, little hints, bigger hints, he would miss it. But on their 10th wedding anniversary, with no hints at all, he remembers. He makes a beeline. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good thing, ain't it, buddy? You remember that when you get married several years from now. He makes a beeline for Hallmark and is soon gazing upon all those racks full of greeting cards. One colorful card quickly catches his eye. He skims the words, they're perfect. He thinks this card is her, no doubt about it. He grabs it off the shelf, pays the clerk, and hurries home rejoicing. Finally, he has remembered their anniversary, and a special one it will be too. She is there when he arrives at home, so he sneaks the card into another room, signs it, and quickly writes her name on the envelope. He even adds a little couple tiny hearts over, his, over the name as an extra touch. Then he comes out and hands his wife their 10th anniversary card. She beams from ear to ear. She is so happy. Finally, he has remembered. She tears open the card and begins to read. And then her face falls. The eyes that had been bright with loving energy turn cold. Her beaming countenance becomes sour and dark. What's wrong, her husband asked. He's a very sensitive guy and can pick up on these things. Nothing. There is too. What's wrong? No. There's nothing wrong. But there is. I can see it. What is it? Well, it's not bad for a birthday card. As you might guess, the conversation is headed downhill from here. You're kidding, says the husband, grabbing the card from her hand. No way. Unbelievable. No, she says. You're unbelievable. The husband blinks in the face of his wife's very real anger. He knows he is full of goodwill. He's remembered their 10th anniversary. He has bought her a present as well as a card. Well, honey, I made an honest mistake. Give me a break. Give you a break, an honest mistake. Oh, it was an honest mistake, all right, because you just don't care. Do you know what? If you took your car in to be detailed and they put a stripe on the side that was even a fraction of an inch off, you would notice that, right? Why? Because you care about it. But you don't care about our anniversary. You don't care about me. The husband can't believe it. He is moving from feeling guilty to getting angry. What he thought would be a loving celebration of their 10th anniversary has become a conflict that is escalating fast. Hey, I made an honest mistake, all right? Give me a break. Good grief. You buy me a birthday card on my 10th anniversary and you expect me not to be upset? I'd rather you hadn't bought a card at all. The husband has been on the defensive, but now his pulse is up. He tried to do the loving thing and all his wife can do is say nasty things. You know what? The way you're talking, I'm glad I got you a birthday card for your anniversary. And with that brilliant parting shot, he storms out of the room, slamming the door behind him. And now for one more story. Here's one more example. The husband is gone for a week on a business trip. As his plane lands, he starts envisioning a romantic, intimate evening with his wife. So he hurries home as quick as he can. As he walks in the door, his wife's first words are, What are you doing home so early? Oh, since you're here, can you go pick up the kids from school? And don't forget, we have a parent-teacher meeting this evening. Oh, yes, I want to talk to you about Billy, too. The teacher called today, and he's been showing off and distracting all his friends in class. 
And one more thing, could you pick up my clothes at the cleaners on your way? Oh, and by the way, dinner's going to be a little late because my sister's stopping by for coffee. Well, so much for the romantic evening planned by the knight of the business road who has wound up playing second fiddle to the kids, the cleaning, and his wife's sister. On the way out the back door, he calls sarcastically over his shoulder, great to see you too after a week. His wife is bothered by his sarcastic tone, but just as he walks out, the phone rings, and she doesn't have time to follow him outside to ask him, what did that mean? Later, during the parent-teacher meeting, she senses he is still angry, but on the way home, she says nothing. She's exhausted from all the week's activities, and she is upset because he never asked her once about all she had to deal with. She wondered what right he has to be upset with her when he is the one being unreasonable. As they retire into bed that night, the husband decides that he will make up with his wife in the most obvious and natural way. As he reaches over to rub her back, which is usually a good way to get started, she groans, don't, I'm too tired. Angrily, he rolls away from her without saying a word. Then, wounded by his anger, she says, you're so insensitive. In disbelief, he replies, I can't believe you said that. I've been gone for a week. I come home, and instead of any kind of greeting, you just go on about the kids and your sister. And when I try to get close, you tell me you're too tired. And you call me insensitive? What am I, just a meal ticket to you? By now, the wife is very hurt, and she retorts, you never once thought I was doing, and the only time you're interested in me is when it's time for, and you know, because we have kids. I was gone a week. When we were first married and I had to travel, you couldn't wait for me to get home. You'd greet me at the door with a smile and a kiss. Now you simply look up and say, why are you home so early? Thanks, that makes my day. Two situations, two people looking at it from two completely different points of view. Isn't that true? And I'm sure some of you may not have had this exact scenario, but you can relay in your mind a similar conversation or a similar episode that may have taken place in your home. So let's talk about this. This type of issue has been around since the beginning of time, and it's ingrained in who we are as men and women and even how we were created. God knew this, and he even addressed the attitude that we should take as husbands and wives. So let's look at Ephesians 5. 31 through 33. The Bible says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. You can leave that up there, and I'm going to read it to you from the Message Bible. And this is why a man leaves father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a huge mystery, and I don't pretend to understand it all. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself and loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. So if we look at this scriptures, we see that a husband loving his wife is described as loving her cherishing her and a wife loving her husband is described as honoring him reverencing him you could also use the word respecting him now how the need for love and the need for respect play off one another in a marriage has everything to do with the type of marriage you're going to have now you might say well why isn't there a command here for the wife to love her husband and the reason is very simple because women are innately designed by God to love all you have to do is look at a mother with a newborn child. It's natural. It comes a natural flow from a woman. But it also means that if a husband is commanded to love his wife, then she must truly need love, right? 
as much as she needs air to breathe. He describes it as when a woman's feeling unloved, it's like someone is stepping on her air hose and she can't get enough air to breathe and she'll react negatively as if her air was being cut off. Now a wife in the same scripture isn't commanded to love her husband, but she is commanded to respect him. The husband needs respect as much as the woman needs love. So much so, he craves it that in the same way that if a man isn't being respected, it's like someone stepping on his air hose and he can't breathe, and then he'll respond negatively. So he craves respect as much as a woman desires love. Okay, you understand that idea? Okay, so we're going to dig a little deeper. How would you react if you heard a husband say, I will love my wife when she earns my love? Most of would say that is wrong, right? Because when we said our marriage vows, we committed to love each other for better or for worse. But how many of you have heard a wife say, I'll respect my husband when he earns my respect? Now, some of us look and say, well, that seems okay. But in reality, respect is to a man what love is to a woman. Okay? I want you to get that concept tonight. And when couples aren't communicating love and respect to each other, they end up on what Dr. Emerson calls the crazy cycle. I'll show her love when she shows me respect, and I'll show him respect when I'm feeling loved. And the crazy cycle goes around and around. And the thing is, you may not recognize it. Like, a guy may feel like something's wrong and reacting negatively. He may not be able to verbalize and say, I'm feeling disrespected. A woman may not be able to verbalize and get to the core root of it of, I'm feeling unloved. It usually comes out as complaints about other things that are happening, other actions and stuff. But in reality, when you break it down, that's what's at the core. So often both spouses, they have goodwill. Our husbands, our wives, each other are not bad people, right? You wouldn't say, oh, they're a terrible person. They don't, they're just terrible people. No, we know that they have goodwill. But in a sense, we're kind of not deciphering each other's code because the woman is speaking in pink, but the guy is hearing in blue, and vice versa. The guy is speaking in blue, and the woman is hearing in pink, okay? So kind of deciphering the code in a similar way that you're deciphering love languages. It's kind of a similar concept, okay? Now, when the wife criticizes, she's doing it out of love, okay? And we'll break that down a little bit more. But he only hears disrespect, okay? And so what will a guy generally do? He'll distance himself. He'll stonewall, walk away. And then she feels unloved. Whenever a wife is complaining, criticizing, crying, many times she's sending a message that says, I want your love, okay? But that's not what comes across. And when a husband is speaking harshly or sometimes not at all, what he's saying is, I want your respect, okay? So first we're going to talk about unconditional respect. So ladies, listen up. We're going to talk about unconditional love too, but first we're going to focus on unconditional respect. Now, unconditional love is easy for wives and women to grasp, but not so much the idea of unconditional respect. So let's consider the scripture, 1 Peter 3, 1 through 2, that says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, okay, it's talking about the husbands not obeying the word, and if a husband's not obeying the word, you might say, well, he's not deserving of respect, okay? You might could throw that in there. They also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives 
while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Okay? Let me read this to you in the English Standard Version. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Now, when it says coupled with fear, it's not talking about fear like, oh, I'm afraid. It's talking about fear in the sense of reverence, respect, and honor, okay? Like when someone might say you have the fear of God. We don't really fear fear like, oh, I'm so afraid of God, you know. No, we respect him, we honor him, we reverence him. And many times this verse is used in consideration of a wife who may be married to an unbeliever. You know, they were married, she came to Christ, he hasn't come to God yet. And the idea that he may not be obeying the word, but that by our example, by our respect, by how we treat him, he may be one. Correct? We've heard that preached before. But also consider the idea of two people that are married. And maybe the wife is married to a man who's maybe not acting in a way that's deserving of respect, but the wife chooses to respect him anyway. Okay? What does this look like in real life? When the husband fails to be the man that she wants, she maintains a respectful facial expression and tone, maybe, when she's speaking. Now, this doesn't mean that she doesn't ever confront unloving behavior, okay? That doesn't mean that a woman's a doormat, just does whatever, and he walks all over her. But you can speak to your husband in such a way that still confronts maybe something that you don't like, but you can still do it with respect, okay? And you may have a husband that actually deserves contempt, but that's not going to change him or win him any more than harshness and anger can win the heart of a woman, right? Now, most couples, husbands and wives alike, believe that respect should be earned. How many times have I heard that? They're going to earn my respect. They're going to earn my respect. And many times the wife feels, my husband doesn't deserve respect. And the husband may want to earn respect, but at the same time, he may not feel he deserves the kind of disrespect that he's getting from his wife. Okay? And when the wife says that her husband will have to earn her respect, before she gives him any. She's putting her husband in a lose-lose situation. And here is why. Because now he is responsible for both love and respect in the relationship. He must unconditionally love his wife, and he also must earn her respect. That puts it all on him, right? Now, what we have to understand, though, is that respect does something to the soul of a man. And this can be carried over into many different avenues of life, okay? Not just a marriage. You think about in the workplace, if you have uh, maybe a gentleman or a man that's a boss and he's asking for something like, yep, boss, sure, whatever, I can do it. Or if you say, yes, sir, I'm happy to do that. The response and how your boss perceives you, it's different, isn't it? When you show that type of respect. Respect does something to the soul of a man. God made men that way. In a typical marriage, after the first year, the husband will know his wife loves him, but a lot of times he gets to where he's not sure if she really likes him or admires him for who he is. I know she loves me, but I'm not sure she likes me. So if the pattern is like most, she will spend her energy seeking to help change him by her loving criticism and complaints. But those eventually feel like contempt to him. Here's the thing. It wasn't just an observation, or maybe this is true, maybe it's not. They surveyed a bunch of men. 74% of men said if they had a choice between being left alone and unloved or feeling inadequate and disrespected, 
which would they choose? 74% of men surveyed said, I'd rather be alone and unloved than inadequate and disrespected by those around me. These men said, I would rather live with a wife who respected me but did not love me than live with a wife who loved me but did not respect me. That should be eye-opening to us. That should be eye-opening. Now, these men aren't saying they're indifferent to love, that they don't want to be loved. They know they need love. But men need to feel respected even more than they feel the need for love. Okay? Here's a good analogy to help us understand it. Food and water. We can live longer with food than we can live without water. We need both to live, but we can last longer without food than we can without water. And for a, a man, love is like food and respect is like water. They need both, but they can live longer without love than they can without respect. Now, here's the thing. A wife's not going to feel the love she desires from her husband when she is constantly looking down on him, criticizing him, complaining about his faults. And men typically will feel the most disrespected in conflict, okay? Dr. Emerson says, a woman will talk to a husband in the home in a way that a man would never talk to him, okay? Because, you know, we all know that guys have code, right, you know? And so, but sometimes wives speak to them in a way that another guy would never speak to them. And he gets, he just can't believe she's just so belligerent, so disrespectful. And so many times the husband will look away. He wants to drop the argument. Let's not talk about this. I don't want to talk about it. Because sometimes he feels so engulfed by the negative emotions, the combative words, that most time what the guys will do is withdraw, right? Well, the more the wives complain and criticize, the more the husbands withdraw and stonewall. And the more they withdraw and stonewall, the more the wives complain and criticize. And then husbands are accused of being cold and unloving. He also said that many times you'll find that a wife will be more judgmental towards her husband than towards her best girlfriends. Now, I find this to be true because sometimes we hold our spouses up to a point that we would easily forgive a fault or a mistake of our best friend, but we won't allow that same forgiveness to be extended to our husbands. Now, listen, I know I'm talking a lot to the girls. Guys, your turn's coming, okay? Just let you know. So this is a, this is a dual thing, right? Now, wives feel free to do this judging and helping and criticizing because as, as the loving helpmate, part of her mission in her mind is to help change him into a loving man. And she knows if she can just lay it all out on the table where he knows what needs to change, that he's going to change. Now, the sad irony is that a wife She's not purposely, you're not saying, I'm not trying to disrespect my husband whenever I tell him what's wrong or why I'm upset. Wives aren't purposely trying to disrespect their husbands. Wives don't have ill intentions, okay? But listen, sometimes the message sent is not the message received, okay? Remember that? With his blue glasses and his blue hearing aids, he's not hearing the wife's words as a cry for love. He's hearing, I don't respect you. Okay. Dr. Emerson's wife, Sarah, was helping counsel a woman about her negative words toward her husband. She called it this woman's verbal venom. And he quotes and says, The wife was showing disdain for him, which she knew was not wise. But her husband did things that made her so angry. In her view, the problem was strictly with him. 
He didn't clean up the kitchen right. He didn't put the dishes in the dishwasher correctly. He didn't pick up after himself the way she expected. So she became sour and negative. The wife heard what Sarah was saying, but she felt overcome by her anger and hurt. So Sarah stopped and asked this wife a question that she has asked many women who had contempt for their husbands. And she said this, what if your son grew up and married someone like you? If your son had a wife that treated him exactly like you treat your husband, said all the things you said to your husband, they said them to your son, how would you feel? And that was a click, a revelation, and an eye-opener for this woman because she began to realize, I would never want anyone to talk to my baby like that. I don't want my baby being treated. So if we wouldn't want our children to be treated that way, then we need to see if we believe that we are treating our spouse in an acceptable way, okay? Wives should ask, is what I'm about to say or do going to come, come across as respectful or disrespectful, okay? Because you don't want to misrepresent your heart by coming across so negatively. When a wife does not speak respect language, after a while, the husband won't be interested in communicating. Who wants to keep talking to someone who doesn't speak your language? When a wife, when a husband receives unconditional respect from his wife, those fond feelings of affection will return, and he will start giving her the kind of love she has always hoped to receive. Now, some of you may be saying, this all sounds good in theory, like I get what you're saying, but how do you put it into everyday practice? And we will get there, okay? So don't be thinking like, I hear what you're saying, but I really don't know how to do it, okay? We'll get there. Now, some people might say, but Sister McGee, aren't love and respect the same thing? They're not the same thing. Some, some wives might say, I love my husband, but I don't respect him. But then ask yourself, what if the husband said, I respect you, but I don't love you? Wives would be horrified and think, what a terrible, unloving human being that he is. But understand that husbands get the same feeling when we don't respect them, okay? Here are some words of wisdom to think about. We easily see what is done to us before we see what we are doing to our mate. Sometimes we soften the edges off our crime and our sin and our mistakes, but keep a razor edge on theirs. They're ill intent, they're manipulative, they have ill desire and purpose, and we soften, well, what I did wasn't as bad. But again, it's easy to see what's done to us before we see what we are doing to our mate, okay? All right, let's talk about unconditional love. Guys, this is for you. And girls, you can listen in, all right? Husbands are called, as we already read the scripture, to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Husbands are to literally love their wives to the point that they would take a bullet for her. Because of their love, they would sacrifice their life and themselves to save their wife and their family from harm. Now, as wives, wives want to feel valued. They want to feel cherished. They want to feel treasured. Think about those words, valued, cherished, treasured, loved, important. Wives don't want to just assume that you love them. They want to know and feel that love from their husbands. A woman's emotional landscape looks way different from a man's. So let's talk about this comparison, all right? Let's say you got two sets of Christmas lights, okay? And they make different kinds, all right? 3,000 bulbs. I mean, this is a really long strand of lights. It's awesome. But 
one strand of lights is designed so that when one bulb goes out, they all go out. But then over here, you have this other really cool string of lights that's kind of dual wired. And when one bulb or two or a thousand or two thousand go out, the rest of them just still keep burning, right? How many of you have had those strings on your tree and part of it went out and part of it was still going, right? Okay. Women are like the string of lights that when one bulb goes out, they all go out. If there's one small problem right here, the whole world is terrible. All right? Ain't nothing going good in the marriage until you figure this problem out. Okay? But guys, on the other hand, there are going to be 2,000 out of them, 3,000 bulbs go out. And, man, they can still function. They can still operate. And I know you guys can relate because how many of you had an argument at night and the husband goes off to sleep and he's snoring and, and the wife's over there, I can't believe he went to sleep. I mean, this is ridiculous. We needed to talk. How can he sleep at a time like this? And she stays up stewing half the night and then gets mad at him because he went to sleep. Right? True? Is that not so true? I mean, hello. We all know because that's how women and men are created, right? So you also think about, you know, maybe husband and wife got into it. Husband got up and went to work the next morning. Man, he's put everything in a box. He's went. He's worked all day. And he comes through the door and there she is. We need to talk about what happened last night. He's thinking, what? Like, and by this point, He's like, uh, uh, well, what did we fight about? I, what? You don't remember? You know, because she's been stewing about it all day. And nothing is going to, dinner's not going to be good. Nothing's going to be good till they talk about it and work it out. Right? Okay. Because a woman, all her lights went out. Right? Fix that bulb and get it clicked back in and they're all going to light back up. Right? Because that's how it is. Because a woman is an integrated personality, okay? Her mind, her body, her soul are all connected, okay? And her entire system is going to react to feelings of hurt. Now, this is not a bad thing. God created us this way, all right? He created women to be sensitive. Um, I was telling someone the other day, another way to look at it is like, guys have this ability to take and put things in nice, neat boxes. This is my marriage box. This is my work box. This is my kid time box. And they can compartmentalize their life. So if there's a problem here in the marriage box, they can still go to work and be productive. And they can still get the rest that their body needs and go for, you know, they can compartmentalize. A woman, she's like a bowl of spaghetti. I mean, everything is all intertwined, you know. And if something's messed up, everything is all messed up, right? We just can't hardly function, right? It's so true. That's just the way God designed us. A woman is someone who is expressive, responsive, okay? She literally, wives, we really don't have the ability to just set the issue aside and have a nice dinner and talk about the day. Oh, how was your day? It was, you know, it's, it's hard. Now, I have advised couples that when there are issues, you may not ha be ready because you may need to take a timeout, you know, the anger timeout. You may need to take a timeout. But she needs to know that there's going to come a point you're going to talk about it. But it's really hard for her to go on with business as usual, okay? If a wife has a crushed spirit, it's really not hard to see because most of the time you can read the emotions on a lady's face, okay? And nothing's going to really feel right to her until it's resolved, okay? Another key point to understand is that when a wife believes there is a problem, when she feels hurt, when she feels lonely or neglected, she's not going to be interested in responding to her husband in an intimate way. Another way that you might say this is when her spirit is crushed, her body is probably not going to be available, okay? 
when her world is set at odds, wives are going to continue to approach their husband to talk about the problem, okay? They want peace. They're, they're not trying to criticize. They're wanting to reconnect. That's the goal of this. I want to reconnect, and if we can talk about it and work it out, we'll be at peace again and everything will be okay. Now, husbands, they can't always understand this because they're like the second set of lights, you know. If you go out and you can still go on with business as usual, that you can compartmentalize, okay? But for a wife, that's really difficult for her to do because wives want to connect with their husbands. They want to feel connected with their husbands, okay? Think about during the dating years. Many men are a lot more open during the dating years, wearing that grand adventure to find that woman of their dreams and marry them and marry their princess. And they're willing to talk about their hopes, their dreams, their desires as they get to know this lady that's going to become his future wife. But many times, once they marry this woman of their dreams, they kind of sit back in contentment. Ah, I did it. I got her. She's here. I love her. And then they don't really feel the need to share anymore. Like, okay, I went after her. I got her. I'm so happy to be married to her. But they kind of get to this point where now they don't see the need or feel the need for openness, okay? And what husbands have to understand is the openness that you had when you dated your wife. I mean, it spelled love to her in huge letters. And women are very thrilled. They're very turned on. They're very excited when a guy is willing to be open and to be transparent, to share their heart. And sometimes that's hard for guys to do. But understand that once married, sometimes husbands don't realize that wives still want that type of openness from you. She wants you to talk to her to share with her okay because not just when you're dating but even after you're married this still continues to show love to her in a big way okay and here's the thing husbands have to understand that wives are not trying to control you to belittle you okay when they're reaching out to talk about the day or maybe even about a problem at their core at their core and they may not be able to verbalize it and you may be receiving it as disrespect but what the goal is is to try to connect and feel close again. Because if there is a problem and it feels like a void and a barrier and there's been a disconnect, if we can solve the problem and work it out, and oh, we're at peace and we be, can be connected again, okay? So that constant like, sometimes say, she just keeps nagging me about this problem. I wish she'd just leave me alone about it. Well, sometimes for a wife, that problem is there and she just feels like she can't feel close and connected if their problem is there and she wants to work through it, okay? So a lot of times that's why in the marriage you'll see that the wife is the one going to the husband. Many times, sometimes, but, you know, there's always exceptions to the rule. But you don't often hear a wife saying, my husband just keeps nagging me. He keeps coming to me and trying to talk to me about this problem. I mean, that's not what you typically hear, right? It's usually the wife that's. And typically, a lot of times, and many marriage counselors will tell you, a lot of times it's the wife that first reaches out for counseling. We need help. We got this problem. It's not the husband, but it's the wife. We have this problem. We need to talk about it. And sometimes the guy will come along, maybe not real excited about it because I don't want to really be open and transparent, but usually they'll come along and, and it'll work out. Okay? So what husbands have to understand is that most wives don't have an agenda. They're not trying to manipulate you. Okay? They just want to feel loved by you. All right? Women confront in order to connect. Okay? That's opposite to what guys think. Men often think they're confronting me because they want to control me, right? She is trying to access his heart, kind of pull close, 
But he thinks, no, she's just trying to put me under her thumb. And it's just seeing through blue glasses, seeing through pink glasses, right? Message sent is not message received, okay? Now, you may have figured out by now, if you've been married for a long time, women are kind of sensitive sometimes, maybe more sensitive during certain times of the month than others, you know. But you could say that sometimes things may bother her, and you may be tempted to say, don't be so sensitive, but that sensitivity in your wife can also be a strength for your marriage and your family as she senses needs, picks up on issues, maybe tends to a sick kid, um, maybe takes good care of you when you're sick and need a Kleenex and another Excedrin, or when you're just feeling down and she picks up on it, right? Some guys can come off sounding harsh, and they don't mean to be, and they don't even realize it. And it's not until they see the tears well up in their wife's eyes that they maybe have an inkling of how their words may have affected them. Now, there is a scriptural basis for this because scripture does refer to the wife and women as the weaker vessel, does it not? Now, that doesn't mean that wives or women have less value than men. We are just created different. Think about it like this. Think about two bowls, okay? One is made of porcelain, okay? That's the wife. And this one here is made of copper. That's the husband. Now, one may not have more value than the other. The wife is not of less value, but they're going to have different functions in different settings, okay? The wife, the porcelain bowl, is delicate, okay? In her need for unconditional love, she can be cracked. She can be broken if husbands aren't careful. In the heat of frustration, a husband might say, I don't know how anybody thinks they can understand women, especially you, and then storms off. And he may be vowing to himself, I'm not going to cave to her controlling manner. She needs to start having some respect. But if you've been in this type of situation, you might want to check your shoes for holes because you just shot yourself in the foot, probably both feet, again, okay? God didn't design women to be able to function around that kind of attitude, okay? God's calling husbands to realize your wife is like a porcelain bowl. They have made, just imagine your wife with a sign around her neck that says, handle with care. And here's what you have to understand. Sometimes people get so distant. Your wife is your ally, not your enemy, okay? When husbands see their wives as delicate, worthy of honor, as the Apostle Peter described, your relationship will begin to shift, okay? You remember how in the scripture we read earlier, and you can put back up Ephesians 5.33, the Bible describing the marriage like the relationship between Christ and the church. And the husband in this example is like the Christ figure, right? And the woman is representative of like the church. Because it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, right? That's what he tells us. Think about this concept. As the church, when we have problems and we have burdens, who do we take them to? We take them to God, don't we? We lay our burdens at his feet, okay? And so... Wives, husbands, your wives are looking at you with those big, broad shoulders. And, man, sometimes she just wants to come to you and lay her burdens down at your feet, right? And she may not be able to articulate the words, but sometimes, wives, we view our husbands as that burden bearer, okay? Now, when she comes to you for understanding, it's not like she's trying to dump a load on you. She just perceives you as being strong enough to be able to help carry the burden, okay? It's a compliment to you, to your strength. Okay? That's a big part of what love is about. But when you shut her out, close her down, don't want to listen, don't want to hear it, it's going to devastate her spirit. 
okay? Now, there's two good questions to ask when your wife comes to you with a problem. So take note. This is one of them practical things, all right? I need to talk to you about a problem. First question the husband might ask is, am I in trouble? No, 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 no. You're not in trouble. Okay, good. Got past question one. And if you get past question one, then question two, do you need a solution or just a listening ear? Okay, that is so important. Now, sometimes it's going to be both. Sometimes wives want their husbands to listen and then fix it, right? Um, you know, I, we sometimes be like, honey, you know, this happened on the dishwasher. I don't know what happened. And they come in and they fix it for us. And we're like, oh, my knight in shining armor. But sometimes there's problems that don't necessarily require a fix. They just need their husbands to listen. You know, I need to know that you understand. Um, in counseling, we call it validating feelings. You know, honey, I hear you. I understand. I know you're upset. I'm here to listen. And so sometimes when you come in, you're like, you're not sure, like, which is it? Does she want me to fix it or does she just want me to listen? So if you just ask, honey, I'm willing to listen. Are you wanting me to help you fix it or do you just want me to listen? No, I just need you to listen. And then you'll know from there sometimes the best response, okay? Yes, I know. I am one. Women can be complicated sometimes, all right? It's true. But sometimes you can get a lot further if you just ask the question, you know? instead of trying to assume, right? Sometimes women just want to be heard and understood. And when she receives that, you've handed her the world. And I promise you, this is going to express love to her in a way that is priceless. So he wants respect and she wants love. So then the question comes of, well, who should make the first move? As a wife, you shouldn't say, this love and respect thing is so true. I need your love, husband. So you start loving me, and I'll show you respect. Now, that attitude in and of itself is disrespectful, and it's probably going to trigger an unloving reaction. Because, again, it goes back to where you're making your husband responsible for the love and the respect in the marriage, and he'll just shut down. On the other hand, husbands should never say, Hey, wifey, this love and respect thing is right on. If you respect me, all will be well, and I'll be more loving to you. Well, this method is not going to work either because your attitude is unloving, and guess what? It's going to trigger a disrespectful reaction because it goes to the other side. Now you're making your wife responsible for the love and the respect, and she'll just shut down. Now, Dr. Emerson, he, he literally got down on his knees and he prayed about this and he said God who should make the first move how do I relay this to couples that say I'll do it when he does it and I'll do it when she does it and this is the answer he received from God the one who sees himself or herself as the most mature should be the first one you can't wait for your spouse to go first even though it's preferable all of us want love for our spouse to be the first one to start respecting or to start loving. But can we really afford to stand by like some neutral bystander and wait for it to happen? Now, here's the thing. I know some of you are thinking, man, I'm afraid if I start showing love, if I start showing respect, what if I get a bad response? But ask yourself, what are the options if you weigh them? If you hold back and don't do anything, you know what? You're just going to stay on that crazy cycle right? I'll respect when he loves and I'll love when she respects and it's just going to keep going round and round, okay? You got to do something different if you want things to be different than they've always been. 
okay? Otherwise, it's just going to keep on spinning the same way. So taking the role of the mature mate and moving first may be risky, but it's very powerful, and rarely will you lose. Think about in your mind like this. If your spouse reacted first, or not reacted, but if your spouse acted first, then you know, yes, I would respond positive. If I was feeling loved by my husband, if I was feeling respected by my wife, I would respond positively. Knowing that, do you believe that your spouse doesn't have enough goodwill that if you make the first move, they won't also respond positively to you? When you touch your spouse's deepest need, something good almost always happens. The key to energizing your spouse is meeting their heartfelt desire. And for a woman, that is love. And for a guy, that is respect. Now, as I said, it all sounds good in theory, but how do we apply it in practical, everyday behavior? And that's what we're going to talk about next week. I have an acronym that I'm going to speak to you about for showing respect to a, a husband and wives, or excuse me, husbands showing love to your wives, okay? Couple, C-O-U-P-L-E, how to spell love to your wife. And chairs, C-H-A-I-R-S, how to show respect to your husband. I'm going to give you some practical, everyday things you can do. Just like how when we went through the love languages, and then I broke it down and said, if you want to show your husband love this way, do this. Here's some examples. Here's some ideas. Well, I'm going to teach you the everyday practical application of how to put it into practice. Because you could say, I've absorbed everything you've said, Sister McGee, and now I see that you're right. We do need to show respect to our husbands. And yes, I see that. We need to show love to our wives. But I'm not really sure how to do it, things to say, actions to take, what to do, how do I do it. So we're going to get to the how-to next week, okay? So enjoyed tonight and that you learned something. I know this really helped. I gleaned a lot from this, and I highly recommend this book. There's a workbook as well. So if you all stand with me tonight. We're going to close. Hey, 49 minutes. I think that's one of the shortest I've done. All right. So I have an announcement here from Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.